Welcome aboard. It's time to grab your board. Figure out if you can swim out into the sea of ideas and catch one of those waves curling up the new sales pipeline, perhaps, with our host, Matt Hines. How are we doing, Paul? I'm good. You know, I read somewhere that you uh, they're looking for a new superhero, you know, with the success of Black Panther. They're trying to find some new superheroes and that there was some conversation about turning Matt Hines into the new Marvel superhero character, something, you know, sales pipeline man or something. I, I don't know. You know, if, if that's true, someone needs to be fired. That sounds like a terrible <laughs> idea. Um, so it's marketing superhero, mega mark. I don't know. It's it's just if maybe there are more creative people than me that can figure that out. Yeah, but, uh, I think it's a combination of the Silver Surfer and uh, the Hulk. You know, it's kind of like both of these here. Have you seen the Black Panther yet? I have not, but my daughter has seen it twice and took her, my grandson, and he just loved it. Yeah, I've, I've heard great things. I'm not a big comic book guy, um, but I've heard that just it's a really just visually it's a great movie, just a great story. Um, yeah, I think that you know when you can when you can take a movie like that, I think that's part of the job, right? Where the movie is is to make it so that it's interesting to those that are that know the story, but also interesting to people like us that aren't necessarily reading all the comic books. So. Exactly, and I think it ties into your guest today here because the social selling they did of that film was phenomenal. People were so pumped up through social media to go see this thing way before it even came out. Well, it's amazing, you know what what you, we've seen over the last few years with you know the the ability not just through social but just to build a groundswell of interest beyond just your traditional advertising. But right, I think right. one of the first examples of sort of a great word of mouthing campaign for a for a movie that ended up being a fantastic case study not only for the word of mouth potential uh, but also for the fact that that cannot make up for a crappy movie <laughs> was for for the the campaign around snakes on a plane. And I don't know if you saw the movie <laughs> Snakes on a Plane. But, like, you know, you would think that a Samuel L. Jackson doing a movie with snakes on a plane, like, this just got so much potential. It was a yeah, terrible movie, right. but it got such such a high amount of buzz. And the media the media value of the buzz that it got was, was just unbelievable. Well, because it really just grew out of a joke almost on social media, and then they made a movie because it... It, it wasn't really, as I understand it, it wasn't really a real movie, and it was just sort of something somebody was playing around with this thing. And it grew in such interest that they thought, I guess we got to make a movie, and they rushed it into production before they really had even thought it through. Well, it's basically you get a free free focus group, right, of people out there that you know demand something, that want something, and they're willing to pay for it once it gets created. Pretty, pretty, pretty impressive, uh, and lots of lessons for marketers. Well, here we are again, Paul. We got a guest a guest today. Very excited to have is probably wondering what the heck she got herself into. We, <laughs> what we've done the last couple of weeks, we got college football. We had curling a couple of weeks ago. Yes. We finished the Olympics, um, and that was a fun conversation today. A little bit of snakes on a plane. But hey, thanks very much, everyone, for joining us on uh, Sales Pipeline Radio. We are here every week at eleven thirty Pacific, two thirty Eastern, uh, live on the Lead Funnel Media Radio Network. We are available on uh, the iTunes and the. Uh, Google Play, our podcast is available on demand on salespipelineradio.com. All past, present, and future episodes, and every week we're featuring some of the best and brightest minds in B2B sales and marketing, and today is no different. I am so excited uh, to have our guest today, and, and I will say this, and Paul, you can back me up. Like, I don't say this about all of our guests. This is, I mean, I've been looking forward. We do 105 episodes or so. I've been looking forward to this one for the past 104. Uh, Jill Conrath is joining us today, keynote speaker, best-selling author, uh, just overall great person. Just super excited to have you here. Thanks, Jill, so much for joining us today. I'm glad to be here, Matt. But I think you should um, have the bald panther as your. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is fantastic! See, like, what did I tell you about? Like, we someone smarter than me had to sort of take that and yeah, go for that. Yeah. The bald panther yeah, could really I mean, be something. Yeah, where you could go with it. Yeah, uh, 
lot of potential. I like that a lot. All right, well, we'll we'll we'll, we'll save that conversation for another time. But I want to I want to talk about uh, a lot of the work that you have done in the sales community over the last you know several years. The, the, the books you've written, the impression you've, you've made, and the, the impact you've had on people selling in B2B, like all over the world, uh, just incredible. But my first question, though, and I feel like I can ask this because, you know, I'm a, I'm a marketing guy who has a degree in journalism. How does someone with a, a bachelor's in education end up getting into sales, let alone becoming, you know, a keynote speaker and one of the world's preeminent sales authors? <laughs> well, what one does is uh, come up with an idea for a company put together a business plan, go to the Service Corps um, Retired Executives score, present the business plan, and have the VP, retired VP of marketing from General Mills say, this is really a good plan, and it's timely. And I roped a couple other friends into my business concept, and then he looked at the three of us and said, now, which one of you three is going to be doing the sales? <laughs> and I looked at him in horror, and I said, I thought you said this was a good idea. And he said, it is, Jill, but somebody has to sell it. That's a great story. Everything starts somewhere. And I think, uh, I mean, I've heard you on stage talk about your career in sales. And, you know, over the last several years, you've written a number of best-selling books on sales strategy, including, I mean, literally some of my favorites, Agile Selling, Snap Selling, one of your first books or one of the first books that I read of yours, Selling to Big Companies. Just And, and what I appreciate about your perspective is, you know, it is ba- it is rooted in reality. It is it is not, you, you speak the language of, I think, normal people that are trying to hit their number and trying to manage people hitting their number. And so it becomes powerful, but also practical and applicable to folks. Is that an intentional style for you or is that something that's just evolved over time? Well, I think what, you know, if I had to say, what does my style entail? Um, number one, it starts with a problem. It always starts with a problem. And, and in every case, in every book I've written, it started with a problem that I've faced. And when I face it initially, I get really discouraged and I bat my head against the wall and say, oh, I'm so stupid, I can't figure it out. And then I finally realize it's, it's not just my problem, but other people are struggling with that issue, too. And then I go to work and it becomes like a puzzle to me and how to solve it. And so I actually dig in and wrestle with the material myself till I can figure out what, what works today, you know. And then, again, I guess because I do come from teaching roots, it's real important for me to make it um, easy for people to understand. Yeah, uh, I think that makes sense. And you know, I think not only the work you do in the books, but, you know, when you do keynotes, you do workshops, you really bring this to life. I mean, I will always remember, and I, and I tell this story a lot, the, one of the things you've done with the, the idea of the crazy busy seller uh, is, you yeah. know, I, and I've seen you do it a few different times where you play uh, the target on stage and you're at your desk with a phone and you designate people yep. in the audience to play different roles. And it's, yep. it's, it's, it's hilarious. It's really entertaining and it's funny. But it also it really brings to life uh, just the per- per people we're selling into, and I think it's easy for us to forget when we're selling what we're, what we have. Our product and service is the most important thing in the world, and we can't imagine why people aren't going to just lay down everything they're doing and want to talk to us about it. But the reality is that's not what we're selling into. How how talk a little bit about not only the crazy busy crazy busy buyer, but also like how important it's been for you to have sort of that skit, so to speak, when you when you talk, just to bring it to life and help. <laughs> And help people yeah. understand and, and really sort of viscerally feel the point of the book. Yeah, well, it, it's funny because it's something I struggled with for a while because 
once I recognized that um, having our buyers being so overwhelmed with work and, you know, just struggling to get through the day and get everything done, um, and, and again, it was a problem I faced. One of my best customers stopped returning my calls. You know, I, I struggled with that issue for a long time until I could figure out what it took to capture their attention and ultimately keep their attention. But when I explained to people initially that your buyers are busy, they go, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, everybody's busy these days. But, and I'd say, well, what have you done to, you know, to change what you're doing? And they'd say, well, I just have to make more calls, I guess. I just have to, you know, work harder. And that didn't feel right to me. You know, I mean, there's got to be something that changes. And so what I realized that in order to, to have sellers really, truly understand what it was like from their buyer's side, I needed to take them into their office. And I couldn't do it in reality. So that's why I started doing improv role plays, where I played the role of the buyer. So they could literally see what was happening. And I have people in the audience or other people that are in the training session um, role play my, my colleagues, just showing in the morning in the life of Jill Conrath, the crazy busy buyer. And then typically at the end of the role play, if I'm doing a training session, what I will do is I will have people call and leave me a voicemail message. You know, or you know, and I'll listen to the voicemails, and I'll listen to seven or eight voicemails from the people in, in the audience, and and I'll hang up as soon as I get bored with their message. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's like it's total shock to these people that they that I hung up on. I'm like, if they say, "Hi, this is Jill Conrad. I'm I'm the, you know, I'm account rep for Leapfrog Strategies." I I just yell out, "Delete!" And they go, "Well, why'd you delete me?" You know, <laughs> I mean, they couldn't understand it. And I say, say, "Wait a minute, you just saw." what was happening in my office. You know, I don't care. You know, you said your name and your company. I'm not interested in that right now. I've got some other problems that have to be solved, you know. So I had to break through people's uh, perceptions that, that they could just keep doing what they were doing. It was like, no, when people are this busy, you have to fundamentally shift how you do things in order to pique their curiosity, make them stop and listen, and actually then respond to you and say, hey, I'm interested in learning more. We've got Jill Conrath today on Sales Pipeline Radio. You can check more out about Jill at jillconrath.com. She's got a ton of great resources, a lot of free sales resources on her website, including links to all of her great books. And I, I think it's it's a hard lesson to learn, and it's hard to sustain that. And I think, you know, the I, I talk to a lot of sales teams, and I know or a lot of marketing teams in our case, and I know you do as well, just that, that have so much to say and, and feel like they need more time to share a particular story and I, and I often tell people, listen, you don't earn the right to tell your story until you show that you care about them and their story yep. first. But you still only have, like, when, you, when they don't know who you are, when you're coming in cold, you only have a couple seconds to get their attention. Someone told me once, and maybe, maybe I heard this from you, that, that, you know, when you're leaving a voicemail, you have just a couple seconds to get someone to stop typing. Like, That's people right. are multitasking right. as they listen to voicemails. Talk about how that has evolved for you into, you know, you wrote the book Agile Selling as, as, as sales reps, not only sort of, you know, adapt what they're doing to that crazy busy buyer, but also sort of adopt the way they're selling into uh, the way that buyers are engaging with information and learning today. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I've always tried to stress with people is that they really need to stop and think about what they're doing, and they need to strive for maximum impact in every single customer interaction. And that customer interaction may be a 20-second you know, email message may be a, a 60 word or 20 second phone message, a 60 word email message, you know, but what can you do to have the maximum impact? And I think way too many people in sales just say make more, do more, send more, have more meetings. But to me, 
the smartest thing to do is to ensure that every single interaction provides some value and moves you toward things. And this is what I would, I always try to work with people to do. Now, wait a minute. You just, you know, sent out this message. You're getting no response. Well, maybe you ought to look at what you're saying. <laughs> you know, there are lots of different ways to change up what you're doing. Um, and so I really try to get people to move into experimental mode. Like there's no right way. What we need to find is a better way. It's always better, better, better. What's the better way to do it? What can we do to get a higher response rate? How can we, I mean, I think research shows that a huge percentage of initial meetings never turn into follow-up meetings. You know, see, so mm -hmm. finally you've got a meeting with a client or a prospect. I mean, this is a, like a moment in gold. It's taking you so long to get here. What do you need to do to have the best meeting, you know? And where do you need to start? How do you rope them in? What questions do you need to be asking? How can you put it together in a sequence that moves it along? You know, what do you need to do to get them to move to the next step? I mean, people should be thinking all the time about this, not just thinking that sales is about about me talking about my stuff and convincing you. There's no convincing anybody to buy. It's all about movement, and, and, and it's about being the best at every interaction. So real quick before we have to take a quick commercial break here, I think, you know, I, I love what you're saying, and I think that there's an awful lot of organizations that have their sales playbook. They have the way that they sell. And I think yeah. sometimes the idea of being agile and testing those new things, if I'm a rep, you know, I may get in trouble for suggesting something that's outside of the playbook. What what advice can you give to reps as well as to the managers of those reps to really sort of balance what, what is sort of maybe a consistent process with the need to continue to adapt? What I would su suggest is to focus on experimentation, saying this is our playbook. Let's let's see if we can make it better. And sometimes one rep who's got an idea can. I, I think a manager should put, go to the manager and say, "I've got this idea. I think it might work. Can I test it? Can I experiment mm -hmm. with it for a certain period of time? Can we get some data to see if this might be a little bit better?" <clears throat> I think you can have team challenges where people spend a week trying something different to see if they can get new approaches. I think just because we have the process down does not mean it's the best process. We know, it might be a good process, but there's got to be ways that you can make it better. Got to be ways. Absolutely. We're going to take a quick commercial break. we got to pay some bills. We'll be back in a couple minutes with more with Jill Conrath, author, speaker of a number of books, including Agile Selling, uh, Snap Selling. We're going to be talking a little more about the concept. We're sitting here at the Sales Hacker Conference. Paul, we're going to figure out whether uh, sales hacking and growth hacking has a place in modern selling. We're going to talk a little bit about women in sales. Uh, Jill wrote a blog post called How to Sell Like a Girl a couple of years ago that uh, kind of sparked a movement. We're going to talk a little bit about that as well. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. You're listening to Sales Pipeline Radio. In a world where the speed of innovation and change in B2B marketing has never been greater, the only thing bigger is the need for clarity, for a blueprint, for a guide to what's really working. And how about a way to apply it specifically today to increase sales pipeline growth, velocity, and most of all, conversion? That's what you'll find in the Modern Marketer's Field Guide. And amazingly, you can download it for free. HeinzMarketing.com, just like it sounds, H-E-I-N-Z-M-A-R-K-E-T-I-N-G. It encompasses the entire sales and marketing cycle, but in quick bursts with lots of specific, actionable ideas, strategies, tactics you can put to work right away, like today. The loaded table of contents helps you narrow in and tackle a problem, and it's something you can come back to over and over again as a reference guide. Why not download your free copy of the Modern Marketer's Field Guide? It's free. 
HeinzMarketing.com, just like it sounds, H-E-I-N-Z, Marketing.com. Okay, we're filled with anticipation to hear more from Matt and his guest. No, really more from our guest today. we got Jill Conrath, uh, who's author, speaker, sales expert extraordinaire on Sales Pipeline Radio today. If you like our conversation with Jill, you want to share some of her insights with some of your peers and colleagues, encourage you to get a, this cop, a copy of this episode of Sales Pipeline Radio on salespipelineradio.com. Uh, available for on demand. This episode will be there up there in a couple days. Coming up in our future next couple weeks, Sales Pipeline Radio, next week we're going to feature Manny Medina. He is the CEO of Outreach, a sales engagement sales uh, acceleration firm. We're going to talk about Te- the role of technology with sales teams. And, and I really asked the question, can you trust your sales team with technology? And I think to a certain extent, uh, I don't know how you can sell today without technology, but you got to put it in the right context and make sure you're using it appropriately to really follow a lot of the best practices we're talking about here today with Jill Conrath. And, you know, Jill, I, you know, one question before we get into a couple other topics here, you know, you've developed just an amazing personal brand uh, in, in the space. I mean, you've got over 350,000 followers on LinkedIn alone, uh, you know, you're, you're, you know, just you're constantly in demand on the road. You, you also have been very diverse in the content you create. You know, you've written, you've written books. Uh, you write a regular blog. You do video, use video extensively as well. A question for you around is, has building a personal brand been part of your strategy? Is that, is that an objective? Do you see that as a means to, you know, the business that you're, that you're driving? Like, how do you think about building your personal brand? I think more about having an impact if that makes sense. And I want to, I want my message. I want my ideas to be out there having a a greater impact on people's business. And in order for me to achieve that end goal, it became important to become a visible person. You know, I could, I could, I could have the greatest ideas in the world, but if nobody knew about them and I wasn't, um, I wasn't uh, some go-to person, then it didn't matter. I couldn't achieve my overall goal. And I remember, the first time I launched my second website, because I started out and I launched my company website, and then I came up with an idea to launch a website called Selling to Big Companies, um, and it was back in, like, 2002, and I spent six months really full-time because I was putting up all these things for small businesses to help them sell to the corporate market, and, and I launched the website, and the day I launched the website, I went, oh, my God, I have just created an incredible resource and not one person in the world knows that it exists. And so when you realize that, you go, oh, my God, I have to step up and become visible out there. Mm-hmm. And so um, it, it was part of a means of achieving an end goal of having a greater impact. Well, I, I think you've done a great job. One of the things I've always appreciated about your about your content and the way you, you, that you share and promote it is that I mean, it's it's all clearly tied to you, but the, the but the content is into is it's not about you. It's about the content, and I think so. The idea that you are and, and the approach to be valuable and to be sharing and to bring value to your audience it clearly comes through. I wanted to talk about something I know is important to you. Uh, you know, the, the idea of increasing the role and and volume of women in sales. I think a couple of years ago there was a, there was a Super Bowl commercial. Um, it was sort of like a you know you know blank like a girl kind of a campaign. And I think it was, it was focused on the idea of, you know, you know, uh, sort of empowering women in a variety of different contexts. You know, the, the, I think the, the historical connotation of doing something like a girl has, in many cases, been, been seen as negative, seen as a weakness. Uh, you wrote a blog post, I think the headline was something like, I sell like a girl and I'm proud of it. Uh, and yeah. that, that went viral very quickly. And, 
I think there there has been a significant amount of discussion around women in sales, how to how to in, elevate the 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 role of women in sales, how to help develop more women sales leaders. Why is that something that's been so important to you? And I mean, that's, it was a couple years ago at least. Have we made progress? Yeah. Is you know what else do we need to be doing to keep this prominent? Well, I think the most important thing that people ought to do is recognize that you know if they're only sourcing from half of the demographics that are out there, they're really missing the boat. You know, everybody's looking for eight players, but if you're only looking at eight players who happen to be male and say there's just not enough women out there, you're really missing an opportunity to capture a ton of talent that could be good. But I think combined with that, it's it's like people are used to hiring people they, that are like them. And so it's an ongoing and continual battle to bring women, in, especially into the tech industries. In some industries, women dominate. Um, hospitality, you know, medical has a lot of women in sales. Why is it such a continuous battle? Because women may not sell like the guys, but they sell really well. And if you look at some of the statistics on it, women do outperform men on quota. Surprise, surprise. For people who don't think women can sell as well, they sell differently perhaps. And secondarily, they stay longer at a job. And so if you're a smart business person and you go, wait a minute, here's these people that perform, you know, at least equivalent to the guys. And their tenure is longer. I mean, it's a good business decision to hire mm-hmm. women. So to me, you know, it's just an ongoing challenge because people hire people they're comfortable with. And, and uh, Jill, you are a member of Women Sales Pros. People can, if you want to learn more, you can check out just womensalespros.com, yeah. which is not only mm-hmm. uh, an association of, you know, you and Lori Richardson and many others, some of the some of the real just brightest people in sales leadership. Not just, I mean, not just not just women, just brightest people in sales leadership. Also, great resources up there. Lori Richardson and others have done a great job of really building resources right. uh, for your organization to help to help recruit, to find recruit, to onboard, and really help promote mm-hmm. the great women in sales. Uh, uh, that already are in sales today and then, you know, help for, help promote the future women leaders in sales as well. Um, you know, a couple more questions for you before we wrap up here with Jill Conrath on Sales Pipeline Radio. You know, I'm, we're, I'm broadcasting on site today at the what is called the the uh, Revenue Summit. It's a one-day event here in San Francisco. It's run by a company called Sales Hacker, and I know you're familiar with these guys. And, and I want to raise the idea of just hacking in sales and marketing. Like we hear people say, I am sales hacking. And in marketing, we hear people say, I am a growth hacker. Mm-hmm. And I think what that translates into is I, I am – I'm twisting the dials on a daily basis, and I'm doing little things to try to, I don't know, cheat the system or do things in a more agile way. Uh, you know, I, I, I think that there's alignment with that around the idea of agile selling, but how do you think about sort of the, the hacker, quote-unquote, movement, and how does that, how should that play a role in sort of proactive sales and marketing management moving forward? Well, I mean, I do think always tweaking the dials you know, is really the important thing that people be doing because that's the process of getting better and finding out what works. But I would like to also tackle the fact of the whole thing of technology because, you know, at the Sales Hacker Conference, I know there's a ton of technology. I think a lot of it is really good. Um, I think, though, that we are missing, we are missing the boat on, on some things that may be even more important and give better results and in my most recent book, which is More Sales, Less Time, I talk about um, the distraction caused from technology and how it's really, really um, <laughs> causing people to, uh, A, take longer to get anything done, and, and you know, the whole day is a, a bunch of jumping from task to task, which really negates some of the gains that you can get from the added technology, but also how it really 
negatively impacts your ability to think clearly, be strategic, be creative, and do things that really help you stand out in a highly competitive marketplace. And to me, research shows that the average human being who is a sales type of person can save an hour or two a day just by taking a look at how they're working, how they're working and what they're doing that may be, you know, really hurting their ability to be successful. Jill, you mentioned okay. the beginning when we talked about some of your books and where those have come, where the ideas have come yeah. from that you start with questions and problems. What are some of the questions and problems you're wrestling with right now? And, you know, I don't want, I don't mean you to give away sort of the, you know, what some of the next topics or books are looking like, <laughs> but what are the, you know, as we're in 2018, we're sort of, you know, in the, in uh-huh. the middle of Q1 right now, what, what, what are the questions that are rattled around your head these days? Well, my questions are really kind of personal right now uh, in terms of what do I want to be when I grow up? Um, <laughs> and, and I'm already grown up from an age perspective, but I just, I mean, I always like to be continuously learning. So I'm actually, I'm actually in a phase where I'm trying to find out what my next challenge is going to be because I, I got to work on a challenge. I've got to work on something that's meaty and tough. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing some advisory stuff for some boards of some companies right now that have got some really cool technologies that I think are, are going to be game changers. So I may be moving more in, in some of that direction to get my hands dirty again. I mean, I really want to work. Well, no matter what it is, definitely looking for, look forward to checking that out. And, you know, you continue to create great content uh, on your on your site, jillconrath.com. And, you know, if you're not reading her stuff and watching her videos, I highly encourage it. Um, you know, I think especially for those of you listening that are on the marketing side of the fence, if you're running demand gen, if you're doing marketing operations, if you're a CMO and you really want to understand sort of what's pressing in today with your sales leaders on the sales side of the business, highly encourage you to check out Jill. It's in the, in the, uh, in the vein of learning, you know, one of the questions we always ask people at the end of the show is, you know, who are some of the people that you have learned from over the years, the people that have been really most instructive in sort of the education of Jill Conrath on sales? It can be people that are dead or alive. It can be, you know, it can be mentors. It can be authors. But who are some of the people that have really sort of guided you along the way? Oh, wow. Um, that really depends on what I'm doing in life. I spent um, a phase of my career where I was actively involved with my daughter's Destination Imagination program. Um, I spent eight years coaching um, mm-hmm. a creative problem-solving team, and I spent a ton of time immersing myself in creativity and innovation. And, and no one particular thing. I was like, I was like a, a sponge for learning everything about creativity and innovation. And then most recently, I've been involved in learning about neuroscience. And, and um, David Rock has a, a great book called Your Brain at Work, but that's just one of the many neuroscience books um, that are out there. There's one, Daniel Levitin, The Organized Mind, Thinking Fast and Slow. Um, you know, there's all sorts of things there that tell you how we are as human beings, which I think affects us as sellers and affects us as understanding our buyers, too. And so I am a glut. For learning it's like one of my greatest strengths and perhaps one of my biggest weaknesses but there's so much good stuff out there i just drool when i i, I mean i have a stack of books right next to me right now that's about a foot and a half high <laughs> i think i'm gonna be <laughs> well, not, not 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 surprising at all and you know i think there's something for sure that you know we see in, in many of the, the experts we have on the show that you know they are constantly curious constantly reading constantly learning constantly asking yeah. interesting questions um, and constantly struggling through those. And I think that's what makes, that's what makes life interesting. That's what makes, uh, I think that's what makes people like, like you and others so good at what you do. And so 
inspirational to others. So we're unfortunately out of time. We're going to have to wrap up here this episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. Many, many thanks. I know she's crazy busy uh, herself uh, uh, as well as her buyers. But Jill Conrath, author, speaker, definitely check her out at jillconrath.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Make sure you get uh, an episode, get this episode and all future episodes of Sales Pipeline Radio on demand at salespipelineradio.com. We will have an edited transcript of this conversation with Jill up on heinzmarketing.com here in a couple days. Join us next week, 1130 Pacific 2.30 Eastern every week here on Sales Pipeline Radio. We got to go for my great producer, Paul. This is Matt Hines. Thanks again for listening today on Sales Pipeline Radio. You've been listening to another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. On behalf of the folks at Matt Hines Marketing and the Funnel Radio Channel for at-work listeners like you.